When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to Hale Varsity Radio, the voice of Husker Nation. Insight, opinion, expertise, with the biggest and best names talking Nebraska across the state. Join the show on Twitter at Hale Varsity and at Schmidt underscore radio. Call in at 402-466-ESPN or 1-800-825-5865. Here's Chris Schmidt. Welcome into it, Hale Varsity Radio Roadshow Thursday. It is Thursday, isn't it? We're presented by the Nebraska Lottery, courtside at Pinnacle Bank Arena. Chris Schmidt and uh, stopping by, staying, uh, quite honestly, is the Hall of Fame coach Jeff Smith, Lincoln Southeast, and, of course, uh, assistant with Danny Nee and Nebraska basketball during uh, those, those just incredible years where March meant NCAA tournament action. Coach Smith, we uh, saw a little girls basketball earlier. We'll have Gretna Miller North later. Good to be with you as conference tournaments in full flex right now. Yeah, it's really good to be here. I love being on the sidelines and, and watching in person here. We got to see one of the best girls players in the state with Britt Brit Prince at Elkhorn North. Everybody's recruiting her. Let's hope she stays around here so we can watch her some more. She is outstanding. Uh, one of the other top guards in the state, of course, Kennedy Williams with Lincoln Southwest is uh, going to be in action for championship Friday. Southwest uh, uh, going to be in the title game again. Uh, we'll hear from Coach Tim Berta here in hour two. Let's set the lineup for you. Brandon Vogel coming up next segment. Coach Feekin of Gretna around 440. And then uh, some college football and some NFL in hour two. Jeremiah Searles, our favorite Husker and uh, Viking and Charger and Carolina Panther. I'm missing a team. Oh, yeah, Buffalo. And uh, and then Gary Barnett with us at 525. And then Coach Barrett rounds us out before we uh, we gear up and get going for uh, the uh, Gretna and Millard North game. But, Coach, what a start off. A heartbreak for Nebraska basketball and a second-half rally for Northwestern. I want to get your take on, on all things Big Red basketball. Fred is back, we know. We'll get to staff and roster in a moment, but let's focus on the game for a second. And you're up 15 with 15 to go, and uh, as they say, old habits die hard, and and Nebraska just went back to being the the Nebraska that she didn't like for about two and a half months this season. Yeah, you and I were calling a game, trying to to keep an eye on on. that Nebraska game, and a guy eye on the game we were calling, and uh, the first half was wonderful. They, They were playing like they had the previous three games and they were sharing the ball nobody was caring who was scoring as long as they, and they were they were playing good defense and boxing out built a nice 14 point lead and then you kind of hear that term hero ball being thrown around a lot of guys trying to make plays and and and, and again I've kind of said before on this show maybe not selfish but confident and you know think they they can make a play for the team and I hope it's I hope it's not all selfishness, but it just it, it cropped its ugly head up a little too much this season. They kind of went back to that one-on-one type stand-and-watch basketball, which it just wasn't there. It wasn't how they, you know, were, were excelled. And uh, 
So, you know, now it's now it's to where you do the player meetings and we got to we figure out or they figure out first who's coming back and who's moving on and then you got to got to do the rebuild again. You do and you know, Nebraska had problems with Northwestern zone. They switched to a 2-3 and Nebraska didn't do well from outside and quite honestly, it was just rough to see uh, a couple of decisions by Verge to try and take it into traffic and then a chance to tie the game in seconds left. You have uh, Trey McGowan's dribble into two guys, and, and there were there were guys open to kick out and find, and, you know, it's just a, just a bad play. And uh, a microcosm, Nebraska's showing how good they can be and then how uh, errant they can be. Coach Smith, a uh, thought here with staff, with uh, with Fred Hoiberg. Uh, changes probably, uh, likely. Uh, I know uh, Lesnar's back uh, or has just been here for a year, I should say, but I think you can see development from guys. So I don't know that, that he's got a U-Haul. Uh, I think uh, Coach Gates has done a really good job, and he was kept on from the, uh, the, the Tim Miles staff. And I know Gates's brother's done a great work uh, at the, uh, the the mid-major level, and he might be a uh, is a hot name in coaching circles to take maybe a, a different Power Five gig. So we'll see what options Armand has, and then of course Abdel Massey's uh, been the, the 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 architect of the talent acquisition, and uh, we'll see if, if he's here or if he finds a different role somewhere else. But you're going to have a shakeup, no doubt. First from and foremost from a from a coaching standpoint, and then it's got to be different from a recruiting standpoint as well moving forward, doesn't it? Oh, yeah. I think you have to remodel your recruiting. I think you have to have more guys involved and, and really spread out and cover the country a little bit better. Um, I'd like to see a little more local flavor in, in getting some kids here, too. We've missed out on a few of of the generational players here, and that's, that's hard to watch. Um, we're going to get to watch Jason Green here in a little while, and he's just a fantastic player that Creighton and he's got. He's staying home. He's staying. He is staying home, and that's you know, and Creighton's got it. Has it has it going really well right now. But I think there has to be a shakeup, and and sometimes guys want to get out. You lose 20, 20 some games. You know, the guys want to kind of see the writing on the wall, and they want to get out, and that could happen too. I, you know, I, I just wonder, like Doc Sadler, he's you know basically in the office and sitting on the sideline but not on the floor does he he probably wants to go out and coach again i would assume and so i think there'll definitely be some some shake up i think there'll be some remodeling retooling of procedures and recruiting uh, and the recruiting procedures and um that's that's probably something that trev and coach hoiberg talked about and agreed upon and uh, we'll see what comes of it jeff smith is with us uh hail varsity radio Roadshow thursday here at pba as uh, we are lying in wait for Gretna and uh, Millard North tonight. So some of the recruits that are on the table here, uh, you have the, uh, the JUCO here, you have uh, Blaze Keita, uh, the, the, the Coffeeville JUCO, uh, top 150 guard from rivals, Ramil Lloyd out of Sierra Canyon, California, Jarmarquis uh, Lawrence out of Rosalie Catholic, New Jersey, and then you have Denim Dawson that's here so another good recruiting class 
And from all sounds of it, Coach Smith, these guys may be a little more physical, a little more blue-collar than past recruiting classes. Yeah, and I think Lawrence is supposed to be a kind of an elite shooter. The, the thing, and Ramil Lloyd's from a really good program at Sierra Canyon. You always like it when they come from winning programs and have experienced that winning. We need Keita, 6'11", 240. Um, he's supposed to be one of the better big men in the JUCO ranks right now at, at Coffeyville. We need him. Uh, we need those bodies. We need rebounding. We need strength inside. We need scoring around the basket. You know, they Nebraska retooled their offense about three times this year, and one of the things that I really liked that they did was get Walker on the block, isolate him at the high post, and got away a little further away from the five-out offense. Um, I think Big Ten basketball, I think Coach kind of looked at it and said, we've got to get more around the basket and collapse defenses a little bit. You know, you mentioned the zone Northwestern playing. Zones can get you to stand around. Um, and when you have a five-out offense that moves as much as Nebraska and then you all of a sudden somebody jumps into a zone and you're standing in spots, not moving as much, that can really change your rhythm. And so it, there is something to be said about putting people at the high post, putting people in the short corner against the zone, posting people against man-to-man, um, playing inside-out basketball. I think one of the biggest reasons Nebraska played better is because they shot better. They shot better because they got better shots. Alonzo was kicking it out more to step in threes. They were putting it inside Walker more, and he'd kick it out every once in a while, although he scored most of the time at a very high pace. But still, guys were helping and starting to help inside. He was drawing it kick it out and those step in threes you're that, that's at least at least a 10 probably 20 percent better shot than the step back threes or the three off the dribble so their percentages were better because of those reasons and i hope that's a retool for next season that they come in and establish some post play early and there's nothing wrong with five out you can run it with certain lineups on the floor but you got to get some balance you got to have balance in everything and i got i think you got to have balance in your offense with some post play and and then when verge learned to kick the ball out better um, that was really effective, and he looked really good as a point guard these last couple of weeks. He grew uh, a, a lot and put a lot on film. Uh, Walker needs help, and, and Walker has been a, a thoroughbred for Nebraska, and he needs more help with box outs. He needs more help with defense in the paint. He's playing. Uh, he's punching uh, above his weight class when it comes to what he's asked to do versus his actual size with some of the monsters yeah. uh, on the block in the Big Ten. Uh, the question remains, and, and he's back in town, has been around uh, around uh, state title weekend here at PBA. You have Bryce McGowan's, and, you know, Bryce's future, I'm sure his his grade will come back in that that late first round, early second round. That's the projection right now, anywhere from 25 to 31 in the first round. I've seen Orlando a couple of different spots. I've seen first or second pick in the second round. Uh, had a tough night yesterday with a two for 10 with that wrist issue. Needs to get bigger and stronger, but has shown, you know what, he, unlike many freshmen who hit the wall, Coach Smith, he, he excelled. He thrived down the stretch. And he put some time in with how he was eating, what he was eating, and, and time in the weight room. So I think if he comes back, he's a, he's a dude like Iowa or, or Wisconsin have, uh, has uh, in, in lottery picks. If he comes back, I don't know if Trey comes back either. 
Uh, I would I would put your money and my money down that both are gone, but I don't know that for a fact. Yeah, I, I don't know if Trey has the skills yet to go play professionally, even overseas. I think he needs to work on his shooting a little bit more, clean up his ball handling some. Bryce, there's no doubt. He... To, to, to show improvement show the way he did throughout the season, even gain strength and, and, and learn to play with physicality, shows that he has pro tendencies. Mm-hmm. He worked like a pro this year. He, he, he came in, you know, not very strong, um, really not understanding shot selection, just wanting to shoot NBA threes. Later in the season, he starts taking it to the basket. Great free throw shooter. Um, started to play a little better on the defensive end. He was kind of a defensive liability at the start of the year. And then by the end of the year, he was much more active and cared a lot more about his defense. He would have a great year if he would come back. But I'm just afraid it's not going to happen. There's too much money out there. And that's a situation where, you know, Coach Hoiberg knows the GMs. They're going to know pretty quickly where he's going to be drafted with Hoiberg's connections. My thing is I would love to see a timeline on the portal. The portal's here to stay, right? Yep. Um, I was laughing because I saw a tweet from from Walker, and he he said in his public speaking, I say um too much because he's on, you know, these guys are on the radio quite a bit. I don't tweet very often because he said, how do I work on that? So I tweeted back at him, why don't you come back another year and work on it because I'd love to have him back for another year. I saw the tweet from from at coach J Smith 14 <laughs> rare tweet yeah, very rare and, and that was uh, Walker's post game and yeah Derek uh, I think and, and Nebraska fans hope he's back don't know about Lat I mean I see a lot of potential in Lat but I don't see Lat as a guy that, that should be starting or, or you can rely upon to start I think he's a role guy and he's just too inconsistent he's got the measurables and he can shoot and hit threes but it's just it's it, but the, the defensive stuff and the boxing out. Tomanaga has been a bless his heart, but a nightmare uh, defensively for sure. Can kind of get going offensively, but you, you, you plus minus games out the window in that. So uh, some of that uh, evaluation was off, and uh, you need to, to to be better if you're Nebraska. Yeah, I I think Coach Hoiberg's got to tell each and every one of them. As, as they're meeting, because that's the first thing you do is you have your individual meetings. And you got to lay it out there. And you, you probably have to tell a guy like Lat, we're going to try to recruit over you. Um, you know, we didn't win enough. There's pressure on us. I thought he improved defensively. I thought he got better. With his want to, yeah. definitely. But offensively, he didn't do what he needed to do, I don't think, as a starting power forward in the Big Ten. We, got, we, we need more... He could almost play three, but I don't know if he's quick enough. So, you know, if, if, if he would accept that role of coming off the bench and we have somebody that plays well above him, we're going to be a much better team. Breidenbach needs to improve his footwork, his foot speed. Um, I think he'll shoot the ball better as his career he's, goes. He's tough in the paint. And he's longer, and he'll rebound, you know. So he's got a chance. But, yeah, I think you got to – I think you have to try to recruit over every player you have, and that's – you know, they do it in football. They, they tell the kids, we've got it. We're going to try to get better. And that's how you get better in re- with recruiting. And, you know, kids just understand that. And then if you can't, then then you got to go and you got to. But, but, <laughs> we have to build a program with returning players and get older and get an established point guard. You know, our point guard played, you know, Verge played great the last two weeks. He, he assist to turnover ratio was fantastic. He led the, you know, Big Ten in assists. 
But now we got to retrain a guy, whether that's Karan McPherson who registered all year or somebody else. Now we got to start over. We got to get a guy that established himself as our point guard and a backup, in my opinion, for three years, and and because that's what winning teams have. Well, you're going to be seeing Chucky for two more years, uh, and you look how his contributions went all freshman team along with with Bryce and uh, Nebraska a a lot of work to do to try and make it better for year four for for Fred Hoiberg but you saw a glimpse about 90 seconds here coach did what you see at the end of the season signal improvement or was it just better well I think it signaled improvement of we're gonna we're gonna this system's gonna work better yes and and players kind of getting it towards the end of the year so it, that contributed to the improvement. It does show that the way they played can work, though. Mm-hmm. If if you make, I thought for the first two years of Fred's tenure here, we just didn't make shots and some good shots. You've got to be able to knock down shots. But like we talked about just a little bit ago, some of that is your selection and the type of shots you're getting. Jeff Smith, Hall of Fame coach, Lincoln Southeast, and of course assistant uh, at Nebraska with Danny D. We'll step away. Brandon Vogel is coming up. It's Roadshow Thursday, live from PBA. We're presented by the Nebraska Lottery. And we're back. Fellas, think we could listen to the radio? On Hale Varsity Radio, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Yes! That's awesome! Back to it at Hale Varsity, presented by the Nebraska Lottery Courtside here at PBA. We are gearing up for Gretna as they take on defending state champ Millard North. Winding moments here. Well, beginning of the fourth quarter with uh, Scott and Adam Central. It's 40-20. to 20. And uh, Scott looking to find their way to the final against Elkhorn North. We welcome in if they would have more Brandon Vogels on a team. Well, there'd be more championship banners in western Nebraska. Uh, managing editor with Hale Varsity. Dotcom and Magazine, Brandon Vogel with us at Brandon L. Vogel. Vogue's uh, state tournament time make you smile or sad? Um, <laughs> a little bit of both. Most, most of my uh, experiences with the state tournament as a spectator were, were very positive. Uh, by the time it got to the point where we had a team that, that theoretically could make it to the state tournament and didn't, then it got a little bit sad. But uh, overall, uh, a fun time in Lincoln, uh, a spot and an event that I have a lot of fond memories of. So uh, I'm I'm happy for those that are getting to experience that. Vogues, how close were you guys to uh, making your way to state? Uh, well, we went we went twenty and two in our uh, our senior year, and then lost in uh, in the district finals. So that close, uh, <laughs> you know. Uh, which hey, you lost. It was it was it was uh, it was win and get in. That was the only path. So I guess you could say, well, you weren't that close, but we we were pretty we were a pretty good team uh, and came up a little bit short. You guys must have got hosed with the wild card then, didn't you? Oh, there, there was no wild card. There was no wild card then. Um, so, that, it, it was what it was. We are opening up wounds and pouring salt in. Uh, we're going to move on <laughs> and talk some spring football. Bogues, give me 
two reasons for optimism based off of what you've heard in the media and and how things are going to go. I mean, they're going to pad up tomorrow for the first scrimmage, uh, which will be nice. But are you optimistic or is this more lip service? Yeah, it's, it's hard to disprove that it's lip service, and that's the case every spring. Like, this is the, the constant battle that you have of, like, okay, this sounds good. And, you know, people at this time um, and, and throughout the offseason, offseason trend towards optimism. It's all fine and good. Like, it, it's probably the healthiest way to live. Um, that's it. One reason for optimism. And this is something that could merit, like, Watching going forward, as I, I don't expect the the world of transfer quarterbacks in particular in particular to slow down. I'm just watching Casey Thompson and and Chubba Purdy speak, and Chubba, Chubba hasn't even gotten to practice yet, but both strike me as pretty mature guys. So you know maybe there's something in there of like you look at you look at Chubba Purdy. He, he went to Florida State, a pretty heralded recruit, and through an injury. Whatever factors were in there didn't pan out, and, and Casey Thompson had to bide his time. He had to wait behind a really good quarterback and Sam Erlinger to to get on get on the field at, at Texas. So I think being through those experiences and not having experience for the first time helps. And even Logan Smothers, you know, he's one of the guy where you, you kind of look at him from afar and say, well. He's the scholarship guy. He's the guy they recruited, but this is the transfer era, and it might just be a, a little bit of a tough beat. I thought he extri- exhibited extreme kind of maturity as well. So listening to all the quarterbacks talk on Wednesday, I came away thinking, you know, this is a this is a group that's pretty level-headed that's been in the game for a little bit, and that's probably good for Nebraska. Second reason for optimism probably goes back to the experience of goal, but this time it's Mark Whipple. Like, you know, I don't want to hype up things too much. You know, there's, this still has to work out. But, but I really enjoy kind of the calming, like, been here, done this before presence that Mark Whipple brings. And you just you don't get that without somebody who's, who's been in football for as long as he has. Brandon Vogels with us, HailVarsity.com and Magazine. Vogels, we're going to reconnect. Uh, the phone was getting a bit uh, machine gunish, so Elijah's going to reconnect with you, and we'll get you right back on here in a moment. Numbers to get in, 466-377-6800-825-5865. can email Chris at HailVarsity.com. We're here at PBA courtside and getting ready for Gretna and Millard North. We'll have Coach Feakin on coming up in about 10 minutes or so. Head man for Gretna. He's an incredible story. He is an inspiration and his kids are playing great ball for him. In hour two, Jeremiah Searles going to be with us and uh, Gary Barnett. Vogues, uh, we are back. Thanks for, for dealing with that. So I think your point on optimism Big time. And I think Whipple is a source of that along with the quarterbacks. Uh, I want to go to the offensive line for a moment and the uh, topic of firing off the ball. What, why do you think, and, and it's okay to just turn the page and move forward. I get it. You have Donnie Raiola coaching the O-line. You have guys you need to develop on the O-line. All that being said, what, what was a disconnect in your opinion 
with the offensive line, not just last year, but for a few years, it sounds like, according to Scott Frost. Yeah, that one's, that one's curious because, you know, firing off the ball doesn't seem to me um, like one of those schematic things. Like, I, I guess theoretically it could be where you're like, well, we're trying to do something else. Um, but from, from what I know of offensive line play, there's not a whole lot. Like, you know, it's, it's low man wins. It's kind of toughness and aggressiveness, which I would put firing off the ball under that category uh, sort of carries the day. So, so I don't know. That might be one of those things where it, it, it's, a, it's a talking point in the spring. You know, these coaches, they all get asked about, like, hey, what's new? I mean, that's kind of the baseline expert expectation during this, this period as you go in there and say, hey, why is this going to be different um, to, to one effect or another? And, and that might be one of those. Um, that said, you know, if, if it's an emphasis now for Nebraska – it probably does help to have a new start there just with a new coach because you can outline right from the beginning, like, come hell or high water, this is what I want us to do. Um, why didn't it happen that way earlier? You know, it's, it, it's, it's really hard to say, and I don't, I don't want to speculate on it too much, but, yeah, everything worked at UCF, right? Like, you went from 0-12 to 6-7 and and then to 13-0. and uh, so it, it would have been easy to just kind of let people go and, and do what they needed to do or, or vice versa if that wasn't the case and that produced success at UCF. So it's, it's hard to say. It comes up frequently. It's one of those things that I think is kind of a, a prerequisite for, for coaching the offensive line. But if Nebraska feels like they're getting more of it now, great. Uh, we'll see if that's the case in the fall. Well, it's going to have to be the case, Vogues, uh, in the Big Ten. Brandon Vogel with us. HailVarsity.com and Magazine at Brandon L. Vogel on Twitter. Vogues, the, the survey back uh, with Memorial Stadium, and, you know, it would be nice if we had more comfy seats, i.e. that we being the fans, but just win some freaking games. That's the echo. Totally get it. Uh, alcohol sales, uh, a topic of conversation. One has to go, alcohol or gambling. You can keep one, you got to punt one. What is it, alcohol or gambling? Uh, if it were me, you know, and we're, we're living in a world where you can just, you can just wager from your phone in, in the state of Nebraska, um, <laughs> that probably increases my enjoyment of the game as, as much as being able to have a, have a beer or a glass of wine. So. So I'd go with that, you know, and both of them are to excess present some issues and, and you hope you, you can, I mean, it's not Nebraska's responsibility to, to keep that in check, but you have to be mindful of it. But um, I, I would probably take the, the live wagering uh, if, if that's a possibility uh, and be content just having a beer before the game or after. Brandon, live wagering in the press box, good idea or bad idea? <laughs> that's probably a bad idea um I, I i will i will say that um you can you can you know i know you can set up geofences with with all of these various apps probably got a geofence the the press box because that that's a little bit problematic uh just from an ethical standpoint i think what about beer in the press box is that dangerous 
No, that probably improved things. To be honest, um, <laughs> now. Um, <laughs> yeah, I like I mean, that. It, it's probably it's probably it's probably best to just keep the press box as it is. Like Memorial Stadium. Let's let's get the let's listen to the fans and get their upgrades. The press box is fine. They do okay up there. Good work, Brandon Vogel with us. SaleVarsity.com and magazine at Brandon L. Vogel on Twitter, where you follow him. We're courtside here at PBA. Gretna head coach uh, Brand Feekin coming up in uh, a few minutes. Well, Vogues, we'll, we'll wind down and, and throw a basketball question at you. How many available Huskers return for Fred? In 2022-2023, how much of the rosters turn over? Is it all of it? Is it most of it? Uh, are you going to go with the Walker draft pick that he's back? How do you feel looking forward for Nebraska basketball? Tough one to finish yesterday. Yeah, yeah it was tough. Um, and it, it was nice to see the team play as well as it did over this final stretch of the season. Um, getting, that, getting a win over Northwestern, which... If they played Iowa and Iowa was going to shoot like they did today, Nobody's, nobody was beating Iowa. Um, but all that said, I, I expect, I think at the end of the day, if you're just literally saying, is this more than half? I think the majority of the roster is probably going to turn over. Then that's, that's going to be, you know, another big challenge for, for Hoiberg and company going into next year. Because, okay, maybe you got a little momentum here at the end of it, but – what does it mean if a lot of your key contributors, and they would be your key contributors, aren't back? Well, you got to start from, from square one again, most likely. The silver lining, this sounds offensive, but those key contributors had seven wins this year, too. So yeah. reset's not awful. Folks, have a great rest of your Thursday. Enjoy some basketball this weekend and also some football. Thanks for the time today. Thank you, guys. There he is, Brandon Vogel with us. A quick timeout, Coach Fika, next on Hale Varsity. Chime in, 402-466-ESPN, or email the show, chris at halevarsity.com. Just try me. Try me. Back to Hale Varsity Radio. Back into it at Tail Varsity Radio, Boys State 2022, and uh, Gretna having an incredible season and postseason. Coach Brad Feekin with us. So am I going to get hung up on here, Coach, if, if we talk about uh, a well-known three-point attempt artist named Ben Bolte? Uh, you may. Uh, I, I said I'm usually pretty scared on who I tell that. 50% of the time it works out pretty well, 50% it doesn't. So I'm hoping this is the good side. Uh, dear friend, uh, dear family friend, and uh, man, uh, we, we love uh, watching him snap hook into the woods. Um, anywho, uh, we'll, uh, we'll focus on some basketball, Coach. Congratulations on an incredible season, Coach. And I want to get your thoughts on, on tonight's matchup, of course, against Millard North and just where, where the team's at here emotionally and physically as you head in. Um, I think our group's pretty good right now. Um, obviously, uh, we kind of had things going the way we wanted to get central and kind of let that slip, but we didn't shake or it didn't blink. Uh, it says a lot about our kids and 
their belief in themselves and where they stand right now. So uh, I think about any team we see, I think we're going to have a fighting chance, and that's all you can ask at this time because you're going to play good teams the rest of the way out. Coach Feekin with us here on Hale Varsity ahead of tip-off between Gretna and Millard North. What is it about this group? Uh, I look at your, your roster right now. Uh, you got a couple seniors, but but a lot of underclassmen, sophomores, and juniors. To speak to the development uh, of Gretna and uh, just how these kids have kind of matured at a younger age. Uh, I think it's the credit to the kids, obviously, uh, and them following the game plan that this program and staff kind of set up. Um, the, the time we spent, I think, goes un- unrivaled by almost anybody in the state, I guess. Uh, we spent a lot of time working on skill development. We spent a lot of time shooting it. Uh, and we require a lot of mean, mean time from kids. And time is work. And these kids embrace that. And these kids don't look at it as work. This is a chance for them to get better and, you know, improve themselves as long as, as and, and our team and our program. So it, it goes back to kids like it always does. And we just kind of give them the blueprint of the guideline. And they followed, they followed it to a T. On a serious note with uh, your time in, in Hastings and how good your teams were, what have you taken with you from your experience in high school and, and you've applied to your coaching life? To be honest, our, our Hastings team was, I mean, my junior and senior year, we were never the, the most talented, but how we approach things, our basketball IQ, how we trust each other, I think that's, those are all things you can take with you and be successful. Um, coach Sajovic, obviously uh, an amazing coach. And I was lucky to have him as, as a high school coach. Uh, but those things that he instilled are, you know, transferred uh, to Gretna as well. Coach, some keys tonight as we'll have the coverage here on KFOR uh, right at six Gretna. And uh, of course, Miller North keys for you. What are you going to tell the kids? Um, just play. Uh, we've spent a bunch of time, you know, putting them in spots and at this point of the year it's more their team than mine uh, it's my program their team just play the, the these these lights are no different than the ones at Gretna the ones where ever else we play just compete the right way and be us and don't get out from under us and we should be fine when it comes to your wins you've had a lot of uh big time wins you guys have been ranked in the top 10 a, a lot of the season as well but was there a, a tipping point game that, that maybe infused some confidence or did you sense that with your kids going into the season i honestly think that that the bell west bell west beat us by 30 in the holiday tournament and i, I didn't think we played well but i thought there were there was 10 11 days in the middle of the season you don't get those where we just got back to us, just chance for us to practice in our gym with just us and our kids. Uh, and I thought that was our turning point. Um, we came off that and, and we just got beat by Bell West by 30. And then we beat Bell West at our place. I thought that was a really big, big game for us, but the leading up to it was the most important part. Uh, just being up with us in practice and the expectations and holding kids to, to a standard and holding kids to the fire about doing things right or wrong was a big difference for us. Brad Vegan with his head coach, Gretna, uh, and concerns about Miller North before we say goodbye. Uh, many, many, many <laughs> concerns. Uh, obviously, they're very, very talented. They have they're the defending champs. Uh, until someone beats them, they're going to be the defending champs. Uh, so they have an amazing player in green. They have a Hall of Fame coach in Cannon. Uh, there's a plenty of concerns, but ours is going to be with us. So, 
that's kind of where we stand with it with this game coach uh, best of luck thanks for a few minutes thanks appreciate it uh you guys do a great job take care good stuff from the headman at gretna the dragons trying to advance to a state championship showdown the defending champs in front of gretna millard north and gretna i said kfor uh, during that interview it is in espn lincoln tip-off at six tonight should be awesome uh we'll run down jeremiah searles and get his take on uh, breakfast in lincoln specifically what uh will compton and the bus and crew have have done now they were on site doing their show their podcast and a sit down with casey thompson can't wait for will and company friend of the show to to hear that but they stopped for breakfast at a pretty well-known chain that, that no one sneezes at and and i'm gonna have to i'm gonna have to blow the whistle man on on breakfast choices and again no payment this is not endorsement for financial gain elijah you and i would would army crawl across our, our wonderful parking lot our station parking lot that let's be straight there's enough potholes in that thing to swallow humans and vehicles yep yep We'd, we'd army crawl over to Virginia's. I mean, I'm a little bummed that Com- Compton didn't fire up either, you know, Highway Diner or, or, or Virginia's. He went to a, to a famous chain breakfast restaurant spot. I, I, get, I guess convenience was king today. Yeah, I, I got to throw out, I mean, Penelope's Little Cafe is awesome, too. You, that is wonderful on 48th. Yeah, yes. I mean, so many great local spots they could have hit from, you said, Virginia's, Penelope's, Highway Diner. I'm sure I'm even missing a couple here. Uh, yeah, Muchachos, they got a pretty good breakfast uh, in downtown Lincoln as well if you're more into the Tex-Mex scene. Um, Daily Owns if you just want, like, something a little more chain, like, quickly. I mean, there's, there's so many great Lincoln options, but, you, you know, at the end of the day, that's... Uh, not my problem where, where they want to go eat their breakfast. Uh, no, it's, listen, it's not a problem. It's just, all right, I don't know that, that uh, Taylor has been to Lincoln outside of when Michigan got curb stomped back in 2012. Yeah, I mean, and, and I'll, I, I don't know that he's been here since then, and I doubt that, was that Brady Hoke, the fighting hoax? I doubt that Brady let those kids out to Rome and eat breakfast. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> you, you, you're not getting a, a full sense of Lincoln if the the chain restaurant establishment that they picked and and all of us have gone there it was pretty popular in high school there's one just down the road from our alma mater of southeast yes there was they let you smoke in there at the time did they one, oh yeah oh they got rid of that before <laughs> my time <laughs> yes they did i hear so uh yeah we'll uh, we'll have to hit Searles up about his breakfast stops back in the day with him and butch and the o-line crew where they went. All right, we'll wind down this first hour. Oh, wait, how can I forget? One more breakfast spot. I'd be remiss if I didn't mention it because it's probably the one I've hit the most in the past year. Uh, Engine House Cafe down in the down Good, in Havelock. Yeah, Come on. Havelock spot's wonderful. Another great spot. It is. And, and you've, we, we've just gone local for you. Beautiful. Uh, we'll wind down hour one here at PBA. Searles on the way. Gary Barnett coming up. Coach Berda of Lincoln Southwest next hour. And now. And now. Back to Hale Varsity Radio. One final time, Hale Varsity Radio Hour 1. We're here at PBA. We're presented by the Nebraska Lottery, Chris Schmidt, Elijah Herbal. Yay or nay on the Khalil Mack news with the NFL. I know Major League Baseball is going to be back in business. A lot of free agents are saying 
uh, sign me today. That'd be awesome. It's nice that baseball is going to get back at it after the first two weeks are punted. You as a baseball fan, I assume you'll still go. I know I'll still take Junior to see the Yankees uh, against my better judgment. But Khalil Mack, man, um, he is uh, on the, uh, the the block to the Raider. Check that. The wrong L.A. team because L.A. is not in L.A. anymore. Uh, the, the Chargers are uh, going to trade for him and team him up with Bosa for a second-round pick for this upcoming draft and a second round pick for 2023 and also a sixth round pick my question is this how much great football is left in mac had a great year with the raiders and when gruden got to town they didn't mesh traded them to chicago killed it killed it killed it killed it for that first year and even his second year in chicago but he's been pretty injury prone he's not been the same guy and as and is, is nice as running running backs are, where there's about a four-and-a-half, well, three-and-a-half, four-year window where you get elite running back play, it feels to me like you get that, too, out of your, your defensive line play. You're going to have guys have about a three- to five-year spurt if they're upper echelon, like a Von Miller, like a Watt, uh, of course, uh, like a Reggie White. I mean, go down the list. You can't put up 21 sacks every year. And Darren Donald's been about it. He's been about as consistent as you get for seven years. We love Sue. He's been great. But Sue's had about three incredible years. And then there's been some that, that haven't lived up to, to his best years, right? What's, what's the happy medium uh, when it comes to uh, your, your production out of a defensive lineman? And at some point, you just kind of kind of gauge it and say, all right, time to move on. And I think Mac, is, as many years as he's been in the league, uh, going on eight or nine, I, I think it's okay to, to make that trade and get some picks. And I think he's a nice piece for what you have with um, with the Chargers, teaming in with Bosa. I think this could work for both. Yeah, uh, you asked the question right whenever you let off, is how much good football does he have left in him, Cleo Mack? And the answer is, is I don't want to know, but I'm going to have to have to learn this season. That's what scares me is uh, you, you mentioned teaming up with Joey Bosa. That means you got to – Really, he's going after your new quarterback, is what he's doing. Yeah, I mean, really, you got two elite pass rushers. I'll still put Khalil Mack in that elite pass rusher category. He hasn't been uh, up to what we expected in the past two years or so, but you can also put that on the the Bears' defense falling off ever since Vic Fangio left as their defensive coordinator. So uh, you now pair him up with Bosa. You probably can't give extra attention to them both every single play. Maybe on a, a third down and eight, you can chip with a running back and leave a tight end in there. But it, it limits an offense, and it, it really makes that that front seven of the of the Chargers a lot more formidable, a lot more scary. Sitting here as a Broncos fan, uh, so AFC West is going to be wild next season. Best division in football as I see it right now, and I don't see a way that that can change moving forward. And uh, it, it's going to be the arms race stacking up. you got to expect the, the Chiefs probably going to pick up a pass rusher in the draft if they can. Uh, Broncos sounds like they're in on trying to get Von Miller back into town, get another pass rusher. That's what's going to be a premium in the AFC West. With all these good quarterbacks, you need some pass rushers to get after them. Kansas City's routinely had uh, upper double-digit sack guys. Uh, the Chargers do. Denver's been great at it. Oakland, eh, Vegas, excuse me. I was 0 for 2 that segment on uh, football teams not in L.A. Yeah, that's one full swear jar. It's a full swear jar. Searles is next on Hale Varsity. 
Welcome to Hale Varsity Radio, the voice of Husker Nation. Insight, opinion, expertise, with the biggest and best names talking Nebraska across the state. Join the show on Twitter at Hale Varsity and at Schmitz underscore radio. Call in at 402-466-ESPN or 1-800-825-5865. Here's Chris Schmitz. Welcome to it. It's Hour 2. Hail Varsity Radio on the road here at PBA Boys State Basketball Semis tonight as Miller North top ranked. Uh, seeking back-to-back championships. Uh, Gretna in their way. Tip-off at 6 right here on ESPN Lincoln with Coach Jeff Smith and myself. Elijah Herbal standing by. We uh, are going to run down uh, Coach Tim Berda here towards the end of the show from Lincoln Southwest. The girls playing for another title and uh, also hear from Gary Barnett, our favorite sideline man and uh, longtime NFLer and Husker, Jeremiah Searles with us at Searles71 underscore, underscore HSKR. Searles, I'm on a Red Bull and about seven Mountain Dews. How are you? I'm doing well, my friend. I just got back from Wisconsin's Pro Day yesterday and get to hang out for about a week here before I head up to Minneapolis for the Gopher Pro Day next week. So lay this out for me, man. Who you who you? Supporting who you checking out? I know Nebraska's pro days around the corner. We'll get to mm-hmm. Austin Allen's combine. I know you're up in Indy as well, but tell us a little bit about uh, your uh, your roadie uh, from Minnesota and, and your roadie you just got back from from Antap. Yeah, so uh, I have two clients up there that played for the Badgers last year: Josh Seltzner, their left guard, first team All Big Ten, and then their fullback John Chanel, brother of the crazy linebacker Leo Chanel. <laughs> um, uh, so those two guys had their pro days yesterday. We met with uh, Herbig, the outside linebacker for them. That'll be coming out next year. Uh, we had a chance to get after him, really good player. And so got a left tackle up from uh, Minnesota. I got a left tackle out of Fargo. Austin Allen, obviously, out of Nebraska here. And then we got a long snapper out of uh, South Dakota State and a center out of Utah State. So I'm doing the circuit this week, this month, um, hitting all those pro days, making sure I'm there, supporting my guys, anything they need, and then getting jump on recruiting for next year. Jeremiah Searles with us, Sale Varsity Radio. So, Searles, when it when when push comes to shove and you got to take care of some folks, what do you do for dinner? I ask this because there's a Twitter revolt towards your 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 friend Will Compton and where he took Taylor for for breakfast today in Lincoln. Yeah, I mean, I mean, my go. If I'm in Lincoln, there's there's only a couple spots you can go for breakfast. I mean, number one is Virginia's Cafe over there right next to the old radio station. Yes, I have. like that's a that's a that's just an oldie but a goodie. And then number two, you got to go to I would say probably Green Gateau. I think those two those two spots in Lincoln for breakfast slash brunch, um, they're very different. <laughs> one is apples, <laughs> one is oranges, but they're both very good. <laughs> um, I'll go there, but if we're going out to dinner for sure, I'm definitely we're hitting up some type of steakhouse. Or what we did when I took all of my offensive linemen out is we went to a Brazilian steakhouse, a little bit more bang for my buck. They don't make any money off of our group. Okay, there you go. But when you took your guys out from Wisconsin, do you set a limit or do you just let them get after it? That's why. That's why I try and go to like the Fogo de Chaos or the the Rodizio Grills or whatever it is. Where they just keep bringing around meat until you don't want it anymore. One price. It's like a, it's like a higher class buffet. <laughs> that's pretty good. Searle's doing the math on that. Uh, okay, I want to talk uh, spring football. I know you've been away, but they're going to be a hitting and popping pads tomorrow. Uh, and good for you if you're going uh, as a former player. 
I'm interested on, on the offensive line. Coach Frost has said a couple of things, and, and he made a change on the offensive line. We're big Greg Austin guys, but I think Riola can, can do some nice things. And I wanted your take on on the line specifically, the fact that they're firing off the football now, and that's something that, he, that he's wanted. I'm paraphrasing what Scott said in his presser this week. What did you witness? What did you see from the O-line last year? And was was physicality an issue with them? You know, I don't think it was necessarily an issue. I think that physicality across the whole in college football with the RPO system has taken a step back. Um, when you're talking about, hey, you can't be downfield, or hey, on the backside of this run play slash pass play, you got to maybe protect a little bit too. So it takes the stinger away uh, for some guys. And you're seeing it with teams like Oklahoma. You're seeing it with teams like uh, Texas, right? I mean, I think that from what I've been hearing is we're getting away from that and a little bit more down to the downhill vertical run game, which is we've got to fire off the ball. You have to the downs, move the downs into the backers. And, you know, I, I'm hearing good things out of that. And so it's really, I'm sure the last few weeks of practice, or a few weeks of practice where you're running around out there in your underwear is great, but once you put the pads on tomorrow, you start seeing kind of who goes away and who starts rising to the top and who can actually be contributors and pretenders here as pads get put on and who can actually do what's necessary to move a grown man from point A to point B against his will. Searles, uh, well put with moving away from the RPO, more under center. You can, you can still spread out. You can still be tempo. Uh, what do you think of the quarterback situation Nebraska has? No, I'm really excited to watch both these young quarterbacks come in. Or I guess they're just their kids. Um, and, and Casey Thompson and Chubba Purdy, you know, I think competition is great. I think that everything I've been reading and hearing from Casey Thompson is just that how much of a good leader and how much he's really kind of taken that charge on putting it on his own shoulders. And, you know, that's something that leadership is earned, not given. And so I think he's been earning it through his summer workouts. And I heard nothing but glowing things about him. And then I've heard the same thing about Chubba. Um, you know, I think both these guys are going to get fair shakes. And as always, you kind of set the groundwork for the fall camp during spring ball. And then, you know, obviously you compete for your starting job in, in fall camp. But if you have yourself a good spring, you earn more reps in camp. And, you know, it's just going to kind of be who's the hot hand come September and who can lead this team to win. But I think we have good options there. And I'm excited to watch these guys both start growing. Jeremiah Searles with us a few minutes here. Hail Varsity Radio back from his uh, Madison tour. And uh, we'll be headed to Minneapolis. And Searles, folks, if, if they don't know, I'm sure they can check out your Twitter. But uh, just to kind of reset uh, what, what you're doing now, obviously the broadcasting thing, yes. But uh, what got you kind of cranked into agency work? Because you're doing a great job with all the kids you're representing. Oh, I appreciate that. Yeah, for me, you know, I finished up a six-year career in the NFL and was kind of like, now what? Um, broadcasting is great. But... You know, I wanted to use what I say, I have a Ph.D. in football. Right? I got six years post-grad in football. What do you do with it? Well, you can coach, but I don't really want to move my family every five years in a different city every time. So, you know, I love the mentorship and the keep teaching piece of football, and this gives me a chance to do that. We signed four alignment this year. So we have a good group put together in our agency, and it allows me to kind of be more hands-on and, I get to select the kids I want to work with and get a chance to stay around both college and the NFL. And it's been really, really fun and really enjoyable so far. What stuck out about Austin Allen? Obviously, he's a Husker, but uh, uh, a tight end. And uh, talk to me about Austin and what did you think of Indy for him? 
Yeah, so, I mean, Austin, I mean, obviously I've watched every snap of Austin Allen film for the last four years, and I was blown away that by he didn't have a ton of, like, guys coming after him um, when we were, we were recruiting him. And I was like, man, we're going to steal one here, boys. And we have just been super thankful that he chose to work with us. And, you know, it started with working to get him a PA invite, got him to the NFL PA Bowl. He went there and absolutely had a great week, played himself into a combine invite, and he goes to the combine. And, yeah, one like fawns over the 40 times, and he had a good 40 time. It wasn't great. But you know what he was amazing at? His agility drills were incredible. Seven flat L drill, which ranked number one in all tight ends. He had a four one two pro agility, which ranked second in tight ends. And then his L drill actually held up to be number three overall between all tight ends and receivers. And so NFL teams that look at him and go, ah, 6'8", 250, 255 pounds, like can he bend, can he move? He answered a ton of those questions, those agility drills, and he had such great natural hands running through the gauntlet drills. And he just he, he really had a really solid showing, and I think he helped himself and he moved the needle, right? And so all you need is one team to fall in love with him or you need one team to get afraid that the teams drafting behind him are going to fall in love with him and take him. So, you know, I think that there's a lot of buzz um, leaving the combine for him and excited to see what he can do at Pro Day here. Jeremiah Searles with us here on Hale Varsity Radio. And Searles, is there anything through the, the pre-draft process, whether it be on-field drills at the Combine, whether it be the, the interviews, is there anything that the average fan sitting at home watching these Huskers might not get to see but actually weighs pretty heavily into an NFL team's decision? Is something that, that the average fan might not think about? I mean, so the average fan, you don't, the thing that is so stressful about the Combine is not the on-field workouts. It's not the physical performance. It's the mental fatigue that these kids go through at the Combine. I mean, guys are sitting in hospitals for eight to nine hours, two days before they work out because they need to have MRI, one MRI. And um, Austin actually I get moved to another hospital because the MRI machine broke. And then all of a sudden you haven't eaten and then you're tired. And then you go right into formal interviews, right? We have to be on and firing and teams are trying to catch you off guard. And the combine physically, yes, is a test, but it's just as much a test mentally of, Hey, can we wear you out mentally? Can we break you down and then have you still go perform at an extremely high level physically on the field? And, you know, I think that that's a huge piece as to the evaluation for what these kids can do. And that's not something everyone gets to see uh, on the outside world, but it's definitely something that has internal discussions on the, on the inside. Searles, uh, a thought with what you can share. Uh, was there, you mentioned that Austin moved the needle with his performance. Was there a lot of reaction you got from, from front offices in the NFL after what he did? You know, a lot of the, the reaction was more along the lines of like, yeah, we, we knew he could run. We knew he can catch the ball. We were just more concerned, like, can he bend? Because Nebraska doesn't have a super complex route tree for tight ends. Like, they just don't. Right? Like Trey McBride, the number one tight end of CSU, like, he runs every route on the field because he was their entire offense. So, I mean, Austin Allen ran a lot of corners. He ran a lot of seams. And he kind of ran a lot of, like, just turnaround hit drops. He wasn't able to put on his full range and he went down and worked with Anquan Bolden down at XPE in Florida and he really worked on his routes and so for him it was a lot of they knew what he could do but there were some question marks of what can you do based off of just lack of film and I think when you compare the film of what he's been able to show at Nebraska with the combine workout I really think that's what moved the needle for him because it checked a lot of boxes that teams had questions on. Going to go to the NFL, your take on Russell to Denver. 
Oh, man, AFC West. I will be glued to the AFC West watching that, especially now with Khalil Mack getting traded to the Chargers, right? I mean, this, that, that division is just loaded with that's going to be some incredible games. But, I mean, anytime you sign a, a quarterback the caliber of Russell Wilson, you put yourself in contention for the playoffs every year. If you're Seattle, do you draft? Do you work with Locke? Do you have any answer? I don't know. You, you don't leave. You don't let Russell Wilson walk out the door unless you have a really serious plan for what you're about to do. So, very curious to see what they do. Drew Locke is absolutely not the answer. He is horrendous. So, I hope that they have some type of draft that they're looking at to trade up or see what's going to be there whenever they pick because you got to do something quick here. But I also don't think we haven't seen the last of uh, um, franchise quarterbacks getting traded around the league. Searles, uh, so I don't want to jump ahead of you here, Schmitty, but I heard the Drew Locke slander there, and as a Broncos fan, I can't disagree. He's not up to snuff as an NFL quarterback, but could you see the Seahawks doing some sort of stopgap thing for a year with Drew Locke when you look at some of the quarterbacks coming down the pipe in, in college football with uh, Bryce Young, you got C.J. Stroud, just all this talent in quarterback, and then you look at the quarterbacks this year, and it doesn't seem up to snuff. Is that a, a strategy that an NFL team could actually pull off successfully to say, hey, we don't like the quarterbacks this year, but let's look a little bit down the road, or do you have to look at, at this current year? You know, that really depends on what they want to do with some of their free agents, right? I mean, you've got you've got really good receivers in Lockett and Metcalf. And, I mean, it's like, do we waste a year of these guys? That's a question you have to ask yourself as a front office guy. Is, are we willing to waste a year of these receivers where we might not be able to sign them back in free agency? Or do we try and find a, a Ryan Fitzpatrick as a stopgap, right? There's a lot better options out there been through lock. I think that if that's the route they go, you'll see them sign a veteran like Tyrod Taylor or you know Taylor Heineke or someone that's played some good football recently and can you think can go out there win you seven, eight games and then you put some pieces around him, maybe your ten win team, right? I think I think Seattle's too good of a team right now to just like hey tank for whatever we're gonna do next year. They have too much talent around them. Wentz to Washington. Thumbs up on that. What's the what? What do you say about Car- about Carson? I uh, I don't think he was awful in Indy, but it wasn't as good as I guess he needed to be. He's the poor man's Philip Rivers. I mean, that's just what he is. I mean, I feel bad for him. He keeps keeps getting traded around like a leper. But you know, I think he's a solid <laughs> he's a solid stopgap quarterback. He's never going to win you. He's not the Carson Wentz that took the Eagles to the playoffs before he got hurt. You know, on that Super Bowl run year, he's just never really come back. But again, we talk about the stop gaps, right? I think that's a team that you look at and they felt like with the defense that they have, they're really close. And Carson could be a missing piece with that. And they want to go compete against Dallas every year in that division. Jimmy G, is he on his way out into San Francisco try and lure Brady for one more year out of retirement? No, you can't bring Brady in if you draft Trey Lance number three overall, right? I, mean, I don't think so either. Ball. I'm just that's that's floating out there, Searles. I know it is. I know it is. If you're if, I, if I'm John Lynch over there at the 49ers, I'm going. You know what? We drafted this kid three overall. He had some decent showings last year. Like I think that you maybe keep Jimmy Jimmy through training camp. Let those two battle it out, and then unless Jimmy has some crazy roster bonus or something, maybe you try and move him right before season. Searles, last thought here, about 30 seconds. So, and with the last thought, I want to go back to the to the, the combine. And it didn't really fit with our earlier conversation, but I want to get your take on it. Jordan Davis from Georgia, 343 pounds, running 478. Would that strike fear into your heart as an offensive lineman? No, I'm glad I don't play in the league anymore, and I don't have to block those animals. So, yeah, I'm pretty happy, but he's an absolute freak show.
Four seven eight at three forty is not not normal, man. That's that's crazy. Ten one broad. And uh, he'll go uh, extremely high. Yeah, ten foot broad jump. I know. Insane. I mean, that's insane. That that's Elijah and Searles' numbers, man. Searles, <laughs> no be way. good. Best to you and your family. Uh, have a good trip to Minnesota. <laughs> Sounds good. Appreciate you guys. Go be great. There he is. Thanks to Searles. Coach Barnett's on the way. And we're back. Fellas, you think we could listen to the radio or something? On Hale Varsity Radio, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Yes! That's awesome! Back into it, Hale Varsity Radio, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Playoff basketball going on. State tournament time at PBA. Little football now with Gary Barnett with this Hall of Fame coach, Northwestern and Colorado, and of course, Missouri. Coach, your Northwestern Wildcats ended the Nebraska basketball season, and uh, some are saying thank you just because of how <laughs> how up and down the year's been. Did you get a chance to watch any hoops yesterday, or were you putting for dough? No, I was putting for dough yesterday, so I uh, I did not get a chance to watch, so... I've had I got thirty six in on Sunday, twenty eight Monday, twenty eight Tuesday, but only not eighteen yesterday. So sounds like the driver's fix. Good work. <laughs> it's temporary, Chris. <laughs> temporary. I like that. I like that. So I got to ask you. You had Tiger Woods uh, do the Golf Hall of Fame induction yesterday. He had his daughter do his uh, acceptance speech and uh, enshrinement speech. Do you ever have anyone do a speech for you with your Hall of Fames? Uh, no, I didn't. I, uh, I did those myself, okay. and uh, they, they were nerve-wracking because you, you want to say the right thing. But, uh, no, I, I, I did those myself. The one at Missouri was they gave me exactly two minutes, and I mean – I was watching everybody else go through theirs, and they they got the hook out at two minutes, and so people got a chance to only finish half of theirs. So, wow. I, I'm I'm about the tenth, eighth, or ninth person to go on. So I start from the from the bottom of my speech and work backwards, so that I got the most important things in, and then the things I couldn't get in were the things that weren't all that important that I was going to start with anyway. So, <laughs> but it was a good strategy for me. Well, uh, that's. Awful when you hear the Oscars music playing at your own Hall of Fame speech. Oh, right? yeah. Yeah, they grab you. That's it. <laughs> I want a thought on Mark Whipple. And uh, Coach Whipple has been working with the quarterbacks. Coach Whipple's pretty blunt with things. And Nebraska will have uh, full contact tomorrow for a, a scrimmage. Coach, I wanted your thoughts with uh, Chubba Purdy specifically. And he's limited this spring, should be more. Readily available post spring break, which is two weeks away. Uh, you know, from from today, as when Nebraska will get back at it. So, what do you kind of recall with with Purdy seeing him as a prospect and then going to Florida State? You know, what what is what's his ceiling look like to you? Well, I think uh, I don't think anybody really knows. I mean, he he has shown potential, but he's he wasn't one of those guys that you just said automatically he. He's going to do it. 
he's going to be a great player. So in, in some ways that's really good because it's, it's the late developers that are more important that end up helping you and becoming a great player more so than many of the early developers. So I think that's the way you've got to look at him, that he's going to have some time to develop and he's certainly got all the skills to do it. What's the deal with, and maybe you have no idea, but there's been three media meetings with Whipple and two of the three, the guy hasn't worn shoes. Now he's been indoors, but is, is there a little shoeless Joe love from, from Whipple or what's the deal? Any theory at all? You know, I, I can't help you with that. So uh, I have no idea about his hygiene, well, but uh, he sounds, sounds like to me he needs to clean it up. <laughs> well, I mean, he just didn't wear shoes, and that was, uh, that was pretty evident. Uh, offensive line play, that's been praised by Scott Frost, already seeing a difference with Donnie Riola with just how Nebraska's firing off the ball. More downhill is the intention. Coach Barnett, what, what have you noticed or what – what have you taken with Nebraska's O-line play the last few years? Why do you think it's struggled? Because they've gone after talented kids. Has it been more of a scheme deal uh, with what they came to Nebraska with from Central Florida? You know, I'm not totally sure on that, Chris, but here, here's what I do know about offensive line play. Offensive linemen, it, first of all, it's a cerebral position and everybody thinks of it as being a big muscle mass and bulldozer kind of effect but it really isn't it's a it's very cerebral and the more cerebral you make it the slower you play and so uh it's it my guess it's a combination of what you said uh and what i just suggested in other words players play faster when you have a simpler scheme and when you uh, when it's something that's easy to absorb. So my guess some of that's going on. I do think that sometimes in the schemes from Florida, Central Florida, and a lot of that spread stuff, you get away without a lot of f- fundamentals. And um, the offense can let you play with guys that are less fund- fundamentally trained. And so my guess is a combination of uh, they've simplified it, but at the same time made each player uh, more fundamentally sound uh, with their technique. So that's, it's usually that combination, I, and it's hard to put your hand on it or your finger on it right now or for me from a distance, mm-hmm. but that's usually what has made a difference I, when I have a change in offensive line coaches is, one, it becomes easier to understand, and two, it's simplified so that they don't have to think so much. They can just play. What were your two big questions when you were interviewing and deciding on offensive line coaches when, doing, when you were sitting down with them? Protection. Uh, and that for me, protection for uh, what we were trying to do. Uh, and, it, you know, it's the exotic blitzes that, that get you. And so you've got to have a way to adjust. The guys that can adjust, uh, you can throw a situation at them and they get on the board right away and they go, well, here's what you've got to do. So a guy with that kind of knowledge. And then secondly, somebody that's a really good teacher, you know, because offensive line play requires more teaching than anything else, any other position. 
So uh, how I felt about their teaching ability and their desire to teach, uh, that has a lot to do with it as well because some guys just want to tell kids what to do. Other guys want to teach them how to do it. And so I was looking for the teacher. Gary Barnett with us, couple of minutes, Hale Varsity Radio. Coach, uh, you had a, a top 25 list of, of coaches come out uh, by The Athletic this week. Let's take Saban off the table because of what he's done. But uh, who are who are three of the, the top coaches in college football to you right now? Who are, who are three guys, if if Gary is wearing the, uh, the AD hat, you'd go try and hire? Oh, boy, I didn't see that one coming. Um, <laughs> you sound disappointed. First of all, <laughs> Kirk Ferentz, okay. Now, he's probably a little too old for me to go hire, but that guy, you just can't do what he's done without being a solid, good football coach and in a situation where he doesn't get all the best players. So I think Kirk Ferentz, I think Pat Fitzgerald is another guy that jumps right out to me. And you know what? I think Sonny Dykes is really a good football coach as well. I, I really like Sonny Dykes, and um, who's now the new TCU coach. Mm-hmm. Um, so th- those guys jump out to me more than anything else. Those are some names, and Kirk and, and, and Fitzy have done a great job, and they are, would you say that they are best at development? Is that fair, or do you think they – are, are really killer at evaluation. I think they do both well. Oh, I think you got to do both well. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I really do. You know, and I, I don't want to take Dabo Sweeney out of that mix because I think he's done a phenomenal job as well. So I'd have to have a tie there, a three-way, four-way tie. But, uh, yeah, I think, you, you know, when you're at both those places, Iowa and, and uh, Northwestern, you've got to do a great job of evaluation, but you have to develop players. You know, that's as important as anything. Coach, different rules today with the amount of scrimmage, uh, I should say, contact you can have. If you were coaching today, how would you you get your team physically tough and uh, good at tackling and and good at at taking hits because, you know, it's so limited? Well, I'm still a believer that I'm not sure how much tackling you can teach. I think guys are either tacklers or they're not. So I'd start with recruiting on tackling. But with spring ball, you're so limited, and everybody's worried about injuries and those sort of things with, with your roster the way it is. Uh, you know, to me, spring ball was, one, find, find yourself defensive players because that's more important in spring, coming out of spring, than anything else. Your offense is going to get better over the summer and going into the fall, a little development. You come out of spring with your defense pretty well, set and if it's if it's good you're going to be okay and if it's not it's going to be a struggle yeah. all fall so uh that that's that was my thought always that that let's make sure our defense is sound first we can make our defense we can get our offense to come around coach have you ran out and bought your russell wilson jersey yet <laughs> no I, I i'm sorry I, i'm slowing down on that enthusiasm we'll have to see i mean i'm a fan of his I really am, but uh, we'll have to see. They they gave up a lot for for Russell. Do you get to many Denver games or no? No, I don't. I don't. I don't get to any pro games. I'm usually playing golf on Sunday afternoons, Chris. Okay, well, I I thought there's a window of football uh, before 
swinging away and, and putting for dough, man. I, I didn't know. Uh, oh, yeah, yeah. Come on. We got a major problem in our household because I don't know how many Russell Wilson jerseys Mama and Junior have. Uh, <laughs> now they're going to have to trade them for Denver jerseys. <laughs> even even the well, dog has costly for Dad. Of course it will. Absolutely. Well, Coach, I'll wave at you down in Arizona next week, all right? All right, Chris. Have a great trip. Good to hear from Coach Gary Barnett, Hale Varsity Radio, as uh, we are gearing up for Gretna and Millard North. So the key component here is, of course, Mr. Official standing in the way of said Twitter picture. See if that works. So, Elijah... Have yeah. you uh, done the, uh, the old season ticket purchase thing or no? No. Getting there. Are you getting there with Denver? No. Um, that's a long trip every single weekend, and that's a lot take of tra- money. Take the, take the train, dude. It's a lot of money still. If, if, tell you what, if, if I hit it big in trucks and bucks. Well, and you have the uh, – you know what, man? You, you absolutely – have the, the vehicle to do it. That's pretty good. We'll check in with Coach Tim Baird, a Lincoln Southwest girls back for another state championship run. Coach Baird next. It's Hale Varsity courtside here at PBA. We're in front of Gretna Miller North on ESPN Lincoln. He's in his 30s, but sounds like he was born with a stogie in one hand and a brew in the other. Now, say my name. It's Schmitty on Hale Varsity Radio. I got the body of a pre-teen Swedish boy. Back with you, Tail Varsity Radio, presented by the Nebraska Lottery here on the road. PBA, about 14 minutes and change till things tip off on ESPN locally. ESPN Lincoln locally, ESPN.com. Miller North, your defending state champs, warming up right in front of us as we're courtside. As uh, Jason Green just drilling a three. Gretna off to our left, warming up the uh, Fekin-led Dragons and uh, should be awesome. Jeff Smith will be on the call with me tonight, Hall of Fame coach and uh, assistant with Coach Nee. Uh, he kicked the show off with us. Elijah, do we have uh, Coach Berta with us, sir? Indeed we do. Tim Berta, head coach, Lincoln Southwest girls. State champs in 2017, runner-up in 19, and uh, playing for the title tomorrow. Uh, they knocked down Millard South yesterday. Uh, Coach Berta, thanks for the time, and uh, it's wonderful to spend a few minutes with you. Congrats on last night. How are you? I'm doing great today, Chris. You know, it's one of those things, uh, anytime you win state tournament games, it's good. Anytime you can uh, find a way to beat an undefeated team, it's good. So, good day today. So, what was the game plan and discuss the execution? I thought your defense, I've seen your, your kids, Coach Berta, quite a bit. And I've seen the Southwest girls this year. And they, they are skilled and talented. And you guys coach at a super high level. But, man, the buy-in you get defensively. Touch on the game plan, what you wanted to do against such an explosive team yesterday in Millard Sound? Well, they shoot the ball so well. 
um, in the sense of uh, from the three-point line. They got five or six kids that are really good shooters. So we keyed in on their top two. And uh, Maya Babbitt, you know, averages about 19 a game. And, and we, we let Kennedy Williams guard her, and, and she absolutely gave her fit. Uh, Kennedy's pretty relentless when it comes to, to defending. But then you have to also consider things where uh, anytime she would get get beat, uh, get by somebody, there was always our next help defender there to to rotate and cover and um, be able to be in position to help when needed. Uh, we got into a scramble mode a few times where we would pick up a shooter and somebody else would have to, to rotate and get to the next shooter. And I thought big picture we did a really good job of that and then in turn I thought we rebounded the ball real well we didn't give up a lot of second chance baskets um, but you know big picture is uh, I think our defense caused some issues for them um, they, their press usually is is a bigger factor for them uh, our kids had a lot of buy-in and how we wanted to run our press break and, and they really did exactly what we had talked about in walkthrough so that's uh, to, to, to my kids is credit uh, of being able to execute what we talked about because Miller South used to getting a lot of uh, transition baskets and transition threes off of turnovers. And I was telling our kids today, I think we finished the game with either nine or ten turnovers, which against that team is is, is really good number. Coach, you guys were up double digits, and, and that hadn't happened to an unbeaten Miller South squad. It got uh, closer towards the end of the fourth quarter and you used a couple of timeouts and, and you guys made some free throws and took care of the ball, but were your guys, uh, were your kids, I should say, ready for that moment or did you have to calm them down a little bit? Well, uh, I think our kids were ready for it. We, you know, there, there are not a lot of people that believed that we could uh, win the game. You know, I think people watched us on, on Monday and defended Central really well and, and, you know, we kept, you know, their big guns really limited them um, but Miller South being undefeated and and you know only a handful of games are really within 10 um, but our kids as the game progressed you know we had a great start I mean that's that's the first part but but as the game progressed our kids believed that they could win the game um, as the pro- game progressed I thought Miller South got tighter and tighter that's a tough spot to be in as an undefeated team trying to uh, run the table, so you know I, I that we talked about that being in our favor as well. Uh, the longer we could be in the lead, and and by golly, if we didn't, we weren't in the lead from from all tip uh, all 32 minutes. So uh, to to answer the question of where our kids rattled or frazzled a little bit, I think a little bit, but I think it was more fatigue. Uh, I don't know if you noticed, uh, Kenny Williams played all 32 minutes, um, and and that was two things. One. Uh, she's capable of doing that. Uh, but number two is she had a deep thigh bruise from her game on Monday and, uh, you know, had treatment on top of treatment Monday night, all day Tuesday. She didn't do anything Tuesday in practice uh, as far as physical stuff. But And then treatment Wednesday morning, we weren't sure how capable she was going to be. But So once she got going, I didn't want to have her sit down. She kept moving at halftime and things like that. Um, so... Some of that was, and I don't know if you noticed that when when she was going to, she'd missed two free throws, which uh, she doesn't do. Um, we, I called her over after she got fouled. She got a steal. It was a four-point game, and I just called her over and bought as much time as I could before the refs got mad at me. And, and then I said, we're going to call a timeout and just let you relax. 
and and they did. So, uh, you know, our kids did enough things. I thought Taryn Ling and Anaya and McKenna, you know, just did enough things right. I thought Goble was huge off of the bench, and Freddie made some big plays. She didn't have a very good offense tonight, but I thought she made some big plays, uh, rebounding the basketball and making blocks and, and things like that. So uh, as a collective group, uh, I was really happy with the composure our kids had for a majority of the game. Tim Berto with us, head coach, Lincoln Southwest, the girls back in the state championship, uh, championship Friday, 6 p.m., right here on ESPN Lincoln with Coach Berta and Southwest. Coach, uh, a couple minutes here before we got to say goodbye, but a thought on Fremont. You've seen him. You know the town well. And uh, how excited are you for tomorrow night? Well, it's, it's a great opportunity, no matter who you play when you get to the state tournament. Uh, for me, being a Fremont guy, uh, it, it, you know, it's a big deal, but it's, it's still just a game. Uh, in the sense of once we get to the game. Now you think about it, and it's uh, an all-Heartland Athletic Conference final with us in Fremont. Uh, Fremont boat raced us in the in the holiday tournament um, by, I think, like 27. And then we went up to their place in uh, mid-January and had a, a pretty good run, and they ended up beating us four. So I think our kids uh, know that we're – uh, we're able to do things to make things hard for them. Can we do it consistently? Taylor McCabe is, is outstanding, the Iowa recruit. She is just flat, uh, a really, really good high school player. You know, she just got Gatorade Player of the Year and, and things like that. So, obviously, you got to figure out how to, to slow her down. But, you know, you get to, to a state final, and it's a situation where, uh, you know, all the hubbub and all, all the stuff that goes on and then – when it comes down to it, you're playing a team that you know a lot about. You're very familiar. Um, we know tendencies. We know what they're going to try and do. It's going to become a matter of, of wills and who can do things, uh, you know, the, the little plays, the 50-50 balls and, and, and those things. But, you know, we, we've talked uh, for, for three days now about just staying in the fight. Just stay in the fight and see what happens. Give yourself a chance. And if you do that, uh, you know, you get you get some opportunities at the end of the day, and and that's what happened. Um, you know, both Monday and Wednesday for us because we did not shoot free throws well uh, either day. We missed nine in the fourth quarter on Monday, and I think we missed eight fourth quarter yesterday. But if if you would say that you could still win a state tournament quarterfinal, a state tournament semifinal, shooting free throws like that, that means you did a boatload of things correct during the game to give yourself that opportunity. Coach, excited to uh, be on the call uh, with ESPN Lincoln and see you this year, and uh, best to you and your kids tomorrow night. Thanks so much. All right, Chris, we thank you. Thanks for supporting girls basketball. All right, there he is. uh, Fantastic coach, great kids, wonderful team, Tim Berta with Southwest. A quick timeout. We'll preview Gretna Millard North next on ESPN Lincoln. Miss us? Come here, brother. Give me a hug. Bring it in for the real thing. We're on call for you. Catch the podcast at HailVarsity.com, the ESPN Lincoln app, or download them on iTunes. Saddle up, partner. Back to Hail Varsity Radio. One final time here at PBA. It's the Class A semis here, Gretna and Miller North. It is a jam-packed PBA all of Gretna in the student section to my right. And all the proud parents and 
folks, uh, just about 45 minutes away, dressed in black with that green trim behind us. Jeff Smith back with us, and uh, Coach Cannon has his kids rallied around for Miller North. Coach Smith, good to see you again. Ready for the nightcap, my good, friend? Good to be back. You betcha I am. I'm looking forward to this one. Well, Red Bull in hand. Let's rock and roll. We'll uh, step away here in about two minutes and get ready for a tip-off. But quick thoughts on Millard North and Gretna. Gretna's done well against a really tough schedule. They've not only played well, but they've won. They've won against some big dogs. They do it. Coach Feakin, tremendous coach. Coach Cannon, Hall of Famer, obviously. And uh, they're trying to go back-to-back. Yeah, and, you know, Gretna seems to almost play better when they're the underdog and playing the big dogs like a Millard North, and they haven't played them, but, you know, they split with Bell West. They, they beat Southwest. They, they, they beat Central. They, they've beaten some really good teams. Really, the teams that, that play with them and have beat them are teams that are like them. Pious, hard nose, execution, fundamentally sound team. They beat them. Um, Lincoln East beat them. Same thing. Fundamentally sound. Don't beat themselves. And that's what Gretna does. They just typically beat themselves. But this is the defending state champ. They're playing with a Division I player that's 6'8 and can run and dunk and shoot in Jason Green. So they're going to have to take care of the basketball and try to get the same shots that they usually get, which they've done pretty much throughout the year. They're going to have to try to rebound with Millard North. They're going to have to take away break with Millard North. But that's their formula in beating these teams, and they've done it all year. So it's just a little bigger stage tonight, and Miller North's been here before at this Class A level. Jeff Smith, Hall of Fame coach, Chris Schmidt, as we are courtside, as I told you, all of Gretna is here. And uh, there is a lot of excitement here at PBA. Elijah Herba will produce. And uh, we will be ready for tip-off as we transition out of Hale Varsity Radio. Podcast will be up. Uh, many thanks to those who tuned in uh, and uh, can always give us a rating, good, bad, or ugly. Want to hear the feedback? Spotify, iTunes, Google Play with Hale Varsity Radio. We'll uh, take a timeout and flip it over here locally on ESPN Lincoln for Millard North, Gretna. Class A semis next, Boy State 2022 with ESPN Lincoln.